we're going to get into the Word today. I want to pray over the Word, over the message that uh, I believe God has given me. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, Your Word is light and it's life. And Father, we submit ourselves to Your Word. Father, because You and Your Word are one. And I thank You, Father, for Your anointing upon me to deliver what's on Your heart to the people. Lord, that Your will, Your heart would be made known and that I declare people have ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say to them. Lord, and we will not just be uh, forgetful hearers of Your Word, but we will be doers. In Jesus' name, Amen. One of the things in, in our ministry that we talk a lot about is faith. And, uh, and even in all the other subjects that we, we do teach, somehow they are connected to faith. And we know that... Uh, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's fairly important. And it also tells us that it's it's uh, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. I, I know all of us could use a little more victory in this world, over overcoming in this world right now. Uh, the news, uh, actually, you probably need to stay away from the news more than you have been, but uh, it's it's not good news. The good news is in the Word of God. Amen? But, you know, there, there are different stages, different degrees of how we please God and, and different stages of victory and overcoming. And in, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus was teaching the disciples and, and He made this statement... Uh, about about how they how they had to forgive up to seven times in a day if somebody offended them or somebody sinned against them and the disciples they that was a hard pill for them to swallow and they said lord increase our faith now jesus did not say well i'm sorry boys if you haven't got it by now you know it's it's i don't know what to do you just have to go from here because it's not uh he, no, he didn't. He didn't say that. What he did tell them was that you know, start where you are, use the faith you have, and if you had a, even a mustard seed, then then that would uh, you could you could speak to this mulberry bush or speak to the mountain. He talks about it in several places, but uh, you know, faith comes by hearing, according to Romans ten seventeen. Now these guys are with Jesus all the time. They heard and heard and heard. And that's how faith comes. But faith develops by using it. It's kind of like muscles. You know, if, if you use your muscles, they, they grow, they get stronger. If you don't use your muscles, like if, uh, maybe uh, sometimes you've ever had your arm in a cast for weeks or whatever, you notice that when that cast comes off, that arm is a lot smaller than it was when, uh, when that cast went on. So, but the thing with faith is, we're not supposed to stay in the same place all of our lives. Our, we're supposed to grow. Our faith can grow. And the, the, the disciples ask, or increase our faith. So that's what we want to look at today. Can we increase our faith? Because uh, we need to have the attitude that you know, I'm not going to go backwards. I'm going to go forward. I'm, I'm going to increase my faith. I'm not staying where I am. Our faith at this time next year should be stronger than it is right now. I'm, I'm counting on it. It doesn't matter how long you've been in Christianity or anything else. Faith can increase. And, uh, in, in Romans, uh, chapter one and verse 17, it says that, that righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, moving from, from one level of faith to another level of faith, or a stronger level of faith. You know, think about the, the stronger your faith, the easier your life would be. You know, if, if the more faith you have, the less you would worry. You know, if you worry a lot, it's a sign that your faith is not at the level that it should be. You look at the TV, look at the news, it gives you a lot you could worry about. But that's not where we are supposed to be as Christians. Um, the stronger the faith, the less you worry. 
it is possible in the middle of, of the worst news, the most chaos, which is kind of what's going on right now, you can have that peace that passes understanding. But I don't believe you can have it without, without faith. Um, but how much we experience that peace depends on the choices we make. Because faith is a choice. Fear is a choice. And, and, uh, there, the world is bombarding us with, you need to be afraid of this virus. You need to be afraid of another lockdown. You need to, it's gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse. Well, the Word of God can set us free from that if we can increase our faith. Um, you know, some, you know, even belief is, is a, is a choice. Cause you hear people say, well, you know, I just can't believe that. It would be more proper to say, I choose not to believe that. You can believe anything you want to. And, and faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You hear something enough, even if it's false, people tend to gravitate towards that and, and accept that as, as their reality, as their truth. Um, but faith doesn't, doesn't require any physical evidence. It doesn't require you to understand it really. It's a choice. And, and I am so glad that over 40 years ago, closer to 50 years now, that, that I was given the opportunity to make the choice to ask Jesus into my life and start living a life of faith. Um, I, I've never had to worry about, uh, you know, losing my, my identity, losing my, uh, chance to go to heaven. I don't lose sleep over that. And it's not because I'm so perfect or I, I pray more than anybody else. Uh, I just made that choice years ago to believe what the Bible says, that Jesus paid for all my sins. And He took my place. He was judged in my place. And because I made that choice to receive Him, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, I know that I know what a difference that can make because I was born and raised in in a cult of the Mormon church. If there are any Mormons watching, God bless you, come to Jesus. But uh, my mother was 90 years old when she passed away and every day she wondered and worried if she had done enough to make it to heaven. Well, actually, they didn't believe in heaven. They, they believed in three degrees of glory. They would get one of those. But, but think of the, the torment that would, that would be not to know. You can know. And, and God wants you to know. So faith is a choice. It just doesn't stay in one place. Uh, Jesus talked about people of little faith. He talked, say, some people said they had no faith. Uh, there's a place where it talks about shipwrecked faith. But there were two people in the New Testament, in everyone that Jesus dealt with, two people, Jesus said, had great faith. Twice in the New Testament, he pointed out these, these people. One was the centurion in Matthew chapter 8 and Luke 7. We'll be looking at both of those. And the other was the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15 and Mark 7. Now, I don't know how far we'll get with these today, but I want to I want to dig in a little deeper into their lives because these were people you would not expect to have any faith, let alone have great faith. But Jesus said they they had great faith. Uh they they both came from backgrounds that that obviously they were they were not Jewish, so they were not covenant people. Lubricate the voice here a little bit. Um, But it, it shows us that faith isn't always found where we think it is, it should be found. And sometimes you can find faith in a place that you would never expect it. And these two people are examples of that. Uh, most people think faith is a result of, of going to church and, and being around the right people all the time. And it's good to do that, 
Uh, that's where you'd expect to find it, but that's not where these two were at. So what we want to do is is dig into these scriptures and uh, see if we can get some clues as to why Jesus pointed out that these two had great faith and uh, see if any... Uh, we want to do that because I want to see if I can qualify with what they had so I can come up higher in in my faith level. So let's look at... at uh, Matthew chapter 8, and uh, we're looking for clues here. Matthew chapter 8, we'll start with verse 5. It says, Now when Jesus has entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him. Now remember that last part. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. A centurion came to him, pleading with him. Okay. When I read the Bible, I, ha- I get this picture in my mind of of uh, me being there and and kind of being an observer and so I'm getting a picture now here's a centurion going to Jesus but a centurion was an officer in the Roman army uh, centurions had a lot of authority and uh, they were in charge of at least a hundred soldiers uh, oftentimes more than a hundred but uh, they they usually are guys who had been in the army for a long time. They uh, they were leaders of men, and they distinguished themselves by being tough. They had to be able to to handle all the weapons because they would teach their men how to use those weapons. And uh, they also this is interesting. The centurions led from the front, not from the back. Uh, in battle, uh, he was in the front, he, and he had all of his emblems and markings and whatever to show that he was the, the centurion, which would also make you a target. Now, U.S. troops, when they're in, in the battlefield, when they're, uh, in, in, uh, they're out fighting, the, the soldiers do not salute their superior officers. The officers don't wear their shiny emblems and things because they don't want to be a target out there. But a, a centurion had to be someone who who could inspire his men. And that's one of the ways he did it, was by leading from in front. Let's go on. Verse 6 says, uh, this centurion came saying, Lord, my shepherd is, uh, my shepherd, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. So Jesus said, well, maybe it's not God's will to heal your servant. You know, uh, maybe uh, maybe he, God's trying to teach him something. No, that's that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, verse seven, "I will come and heal him." I, you know, no one ever went to Jesus. You can research it for yourself. No one ever went to Jesus for healing who did not get healed. Amen. So. Uh, Jesus never said, I won't heal to anybody. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was healing then, he's healing now. And he's saying it to me, and he's saying it to you. He said it to the centurion. And verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. I wonder what that means. I also must have meant he recognized Jesus had to be under some authority. Talk about that more in a bit. Uh, I have soldiers under me and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. I like the way the, the King James says, he doeth it. He does it. Verse 10, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. He marveled. And said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Hmm. What would it take to impress Jesus? I mean, this this is Jesus. This is the head of the church. Son of God. And he's impressed by this Roman soldier. 
Um, he said, I've, I've not found such great faith in, in all Israel. That would include those 12 guys that were with him all the time. Uh, he's saying, I haven't seen this, this level of faith even in you guys. Um, so it, it again just points out sometimes you can find faith in a place you would never expect to find it. Verse 11. I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, think of that. He's talking about, really, he's talking about us, those that come from outside of, of Israel. How would it be to sit down with, uh, Abraham? Abraham, I've read the story, but can you tell me what happened with you and, and Jacob up on that mountain, you know? And uh, that would be that would be interesting. <laughs> Verse twelve. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In other words, there there are some that should be part of this that end up not being a part, including some of the seed of Abraham. Pretty sobering. Verse 13, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Now, notice the servant didn't ask for Jesus, Well, I know you said that, but come come pray for him anyway. I just want to make sure. No, he didn't do that. There was strict discipline in the in the Roman army. And this man was a picture of, of Roman army discipline. And, and even today, I mean, you don't, you don't talk back to a superior officer in the military. Um, you, you do what you're told and, uh, you may, you don't have to like it, but you have to do it. But, uh, that'll just get you in trouble. But you remember this, the historian said, when I tell somebody to, to go here, he goes, go there, he goes. I tell my servant, do this, he does it. Uh, we don't have a debate over it. He just goes and does it. Uh, the centurion, here's, here's the first clue. The centurion understood submission to a higher authority. That was important. Uh, this is one of the big reasons why faith is so weak in our generation today. The lack of discipline and submission to authority. Now, don't get mad at me. Just stay with me because it's going to get better. But it is rare in today's society. Okay? Thank God for freedom. And, and in, you know, we like to think that in this country we have great freedom. And we do. Even under the, the lockdowns and things that have been going on, we still have more freedom than, than any place else on, on this planet. Um, but a lot of people think because they're free, they don't have to listen to anybody. You know, about anything. I mean, I'm, I'm free. I'm an American. You know, I'll do what I want to do. And the reality is, is if you're that way with people, you're that way with God. Love for God is revealed when you show love for people. In 1 John it says, if you say you love God but hate your brother, it says you're a liar. Hmm. Now, the same thing is true in other areas. If you don't respect people, you don't respect God. If you don't submit to any people, you don't submit to God. And if you don't listen to other people, you don't listen to God. And uh, these things are revealed with how you interact, how you respond to those people that God puts in your life including the pastors and, and the other members of the church. In the centurion's mind, I believe he did this exactly the way he would function in the military. This is how it works. This is the way it's supposed to be. Just, just say the word. Give the command and it will be done. You know, this this guy is not a preacher. He's not a scribe. He's, he's not a, a teacher of the law. He's not somebody who praise half the day. He's a soldier. He's a fighting man. And he represented Rome. Rome 
was the occupying, they were occupying this territory now. So they weren't really, uh, typically as friendly with each other as this, this Roman, uh, or this Roman centurion happened to be. Um, but Jesus said, be it done to you like you believe. Here's, here's another clue. The, the centurion accepted Jesus' word as final. That's the way it is. You said it, that's the way it is. Most people don't do that. And it's, and it's sad and it, it paid, but there's another clue. Accepting Jesus' word, the word of the Lord, as final. Um, the Bible says in 2 Timothy that we are to endure hardness as a good soldier. Now, I was, I was in the uh, military. I was in the Navy, uh, a naval soldier, I guess you'd call it, a sailor is what I was. But, uh, so I, I learned a lot about discipline, about submission to authority, obeying orders. But uh, it says, endure hardness as a good soldier. Now, if, if we were to look at the body of Christ in, in that military way, I, you know, I'm wondering how well we would do with inspection sometimes. Because, uh, you know, not only it, things seem to have gotten more loose in, in, uh, in dress, yeah, but mostly in attitude. In, in, you know, nothing's, you know, nothing's too important. You know, I just come if I feel like it. I just, uh, it's, it's okay. It's, uh, you know, they say, well, they come for prayer, for example. I, I need to be healed. And, well, let's see what the word says. Uh, Jesus says, you are healed, soldier. Go your way. Well, I, I know it says that, but, mm, I, I still feel so bad. I don't know if I have enough wine in my voice to make that really, but, uh, but that's, that's just the attitude. It's, it's, people are undisciplined and, and it's, it's, that attitude is connected to a, a low level or no faith. And, and most people don't make that connection between, between their attitude and their behavior in, in, in God's things and, and their level of faith. There's nothing spiritual about being sloppy in dress and attitude. Some just want to believe that everything's going to be okay, there's nothing nothing bad, they don't have a plan, uh, you know, no big deal, nothing's a big deal. They don't prepare for anything. And uh, unfortunately, we live in a society where it seems like nothing's really important. People don't make a big deal out of anything, they don't really dress up for much, uh, no special preparation, Everything's okay. It's all going to be okay. No big deal. Don't need to prepare for anything. There are supposed to be some things that are a big deal. And God's things are supposed to be that big deal. And it's, it's kind of gotten so loose and so far away from that people don't recognize it. That, you know, we're talking about God, the creator of the universe that, that we are uh, submitting to and, and trying to draw faith from and life from. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's not that you have to run out and buy an expensive new suit or anything. You know, wear what you have, but, but make it as, look as nice as you can. Uh, stand up tall. Act like a child of God. Act like you know who you are and, and what you have at your, at your disposal. And, uh, you know, not with pompous pride or anything. Show some dignity and respect, especially concerning the things of God. You know, I, I think I told the story here before about how I used to make my football teams wear uh, ties on game day because it it sent the message to them that today's something different. You know, something special is going on today. And that's kind of the way I, I believe we've gotten away from in, in coming to church. It's just another day. It's just another thing. It's a thing we do. It, it's lost its specialness, if there's such a word. Um, in fact, in, in Hebrews 11, we won't go there, but in, in Hebrews 11, we call it the Faith Hall of Fame. And it talks about Noah. 
one of the first ones mentioned is Noah. And it, it, it shows how, you know, Noah had faith and, and, uh, but his faith was demonstrated because it says he prepared the ark. Here's another clue to increasing your faith. Preparation. He was prepared. He got ready for years. The scholars say that he built that ark. It took, took like a hundred years to build that ark. And he was, you know, people weren't really uh, kind to him as he was doing that because it was ridiculous. There'd been no rain. And, and he was building an ark where there's no water even. So uh, he had faith and, and he worked hard every day. He put everything he had into preparing. And here's the clue. Faith prepares. Big faith prepares big. Uh, little faith prepares little. No faith says, well, we'll wait and see if we even need to do anything. So real faith will have the evidence of diligence and discipline. You know, think about the creation that, that we're enjoying, that we're living in right now. There is order in creation. Now I, I used to teach junior high science and, and it was always amazing to me when I would think about the, the creation and and how the order in the universe. We're glad that there's order because those we don't want the planets banging into each other. That could just ruin your day, you know, if you have a collision with another planet. But but think about the order, and I, I won't I won't get off onto that too much. But but think about how perfectly the Earth is situated from the Sun, 93 million miles on the, on average, and and there's just a thinnest atmosphere that sustains our life on this planet. What a what a coincidence. No, it's not a God created it. If we were a little bit closer to the sun, we couldn't live. If we were a little further out, we couldn't live. It, we'd be frozen. So it, it's just the, a perfect creation. And even though it's a fallen world, there's still so much evidence of, of the, the creation, of, of the perfection in creation. And, uh, and we, we have no idea what it, what it was like before the fall. But, uh, we'll see it again. It'll be, it'll be back. Uh, back to Mark 8 and verse 13 again, where it says, Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Jesus gave the command the centurion asked for. And it's important that the word, the words Jesus used here. As you have believed, so be it done. This creation that we're talking about, the earth, the sun, the stars, all came into being by a spoken word. God said, light be. It's, it's a creative command. Jesus gave a creative command here. Let it be done. Go your way. In other words, we're all done. You know, I don't have to do anything more. You don't have to do anything more. It's, it's done. It's, it's finished. Uh, and his servant was healed that same hour. But now, I want to look at how Luke records the same story. Um, because if we put both Matthew and, and Luke together, how they tell it, uh, we get a clearer picture of, of what happened. And maybe we can pick up some more clues as, as to how we can increase our faith. Luke chapter 7. Uh, let's start with verse 1. Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. Now, this is Dr. Luke. Luke was a doctor. Luke often gives details when he tells things, especially when it concerns uh, uh, pain and suffering. Being a doctor, he gives us a little more information. And he says, first of all, the servant was dear to the centurion. And, and we know from what Matthew said that he had some kind of paralysis and he was in pain. But Luke tells us he was about to die. 
he was at, on the edge of, of the end of his life. Now verse 3 says, So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Now I know what some of you are thinking, so don't don't get ahead of me here. We'll, we'll come back to that. The centurion heard about Jesus. Wonder what he heard. You know, maybe he he heard something like we can read in in Acts or in other places where it says Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Why would this centurion think that he could uh, that Jesus could could heal his servant? Because Jesus went about healing all who were oppressed of the devil. This passage calls people who were healed by Jesus satanically oppressed. You know, sickness is satanic oppression. It is not a blessing in disguise. If you get sick, it's not to bless you. It's a curse. God's not trying to teach you something. It just amazes me when, when people uh, come up with that because uh, then why are you taking medicine? You know, if you're, if God's trying to teach you something, learn your lesson. You know, don't, don't try and rebel against God by taking that medicine. Um, but there's nothing good about sickness. It's, it's evil. It's okay to hate sickness. You love sick people, but, uh, you hate sickness. I hate sickness. It's the same thing with poverty. There's nothing good about poverty. You love poor people, people in need, but you should hate poverty. Poverty kills people. There are people dying all over the earth because they can't get a decent meal. Poverty is is uh, is not a blessing in disguise. Don't ever mistake that. Um, actually, what you know, poverty. I believe I believe it's it's uh, believing poverty is is. Uh, from God is is believing a lie, like you might hear in in uh, Tulsa. Then I say that's that's a lie from the pit of hell. I love how they make hell a two-syllable word when they say that. But uh, but notice how it says when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews, elders of the Jews, to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Now that's different than how Matthew told the story. In Matthew, it sounded like it said that the centurion went to Jesus. It sounds like they met face to face. But as we'll see, there's no evidence that they actually saw each other face to face. Hmm. Uh, but people see this and they say, well, you see that? You can't trust the Bible. Look at the contradictions here. Like one says, one says he sent people, one says he went himself. Um, is there a contradiction there? Which one is the truth? The answer is they both are. Because what it's pointing out here is how important delegation is to God. Because uh, if delegation is done correctly, it's exactly the same as if the person did it themselves. Um, I, you know, we've been... <laughs> hearing and praying a lot about embassies. Our home is an embassy uh, for the kingdom of God. But in an embassy, like in, in, in Hungary, in Budapest, there's a U.S. embassy. When you walk into that embassy, you, it's just like you're walking onto, onto U.S. soil. And it's, it's kind of the same principle here. It's delegation is, is acting in that same authority just as if the, the person who sent the message was there in person. And that's that's what happened in Matthew. Um, you know, if we if we had time, we'd we'd talk about how we have the name of Jesus. We have that authority delegated to us, and uh, when we act in in faith and power in the name of Jesus, it's the same as if He said it. Ooh, that's tempting. But anyway, uh, anyway, He sent elders of the Jews. And they came to Jesus speaking for the centurion. And verse 4 says, And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying 
that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. He was worthy. Now, we already read that he didn't come himself. He, he sent a delegation. He thought he wasn't worthy. That's another clue. The Jewish elders said that he should do this because he was a good man. He deserved this. And that might sound good, but it's, it's wrong thinking. Because healing is not a reward for doing something good. Let me say that again. Healing is not a reward for doing something good. Now, we just were, we had a, a long conversation with some people yesterday, a pastor that we work with in, in Hungary. Uh, there was a, a couple who came. Uh, they were coming for healing. The, the man was very sick. Fine, and, and they, they were very hot and on fire for Jesus. But like in Mark 4 says, they received the word gladly, but when, when things get tough, they fall apart. And they had started to fall apart. They, they, not, not as hot. In fact, not even coming to church anymore. And, and the, she finally admitted, the wife finally admitted, well, we only, we only came, uh, cause we wanted the healing. No, they didn't come for Jesus. They came for what Jesus could do for them. And a lot of people like that in the world today. But healing is not a reward for doing something good. You don't deserve healing because of what a good person you've been. But you still hear people say things, I'm a good person. Why Why won't you heal me, Lord? I'm, I'm doing all these good things. Uh, but that's the wrong question because he's already bought and paid for our healing. It's, it's already been done. And some people treat it like they're trying to talk God into doing something he doesn't really want to do. And that's that's so far from the truth, it's, it's not even funny. He's already done it. But just like salvation, it's not a matter of getting him to do it. It's a matter of us receiving it. And it's, it's our receiving that's the problem, uh, not getting him to do it for us. You don't have to talk somebody into doing something that they've already done for you. But if you go to God and tell Him how good you've been and, and what good things you do and how much you deserve this, you're actually disqualifying yourself from grace. Grace is a free gift. You don't deserve grace, but we get it anyway. We don't. Uh, we didn't earn it, uh, and and that same goes for for healing and forgiveness. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We can't earn it. But God gave it to us. Okay. Um, you know, I haven't earned the blessings of God. I, I don't deserve them and neither does anybody else. It's a free, unearned gift and we get them by faith. That's why it's important that we can increase our level of faith. But that's what the, the Jewish elders are, are doing here. They're telling Jesus how good this centurion was, how worthy he is. And uh, actually verse 5 says, He loves our nation. And he's built us a synagogue. Well, you know, that shows he's got some money too. Uh, synagogue, synagogues uh, don't just uh, go up by themselves. They take some money. Verse 6, Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Now, most people would see Jesus coming and, and they would, like this, this couple in Hungary that we, we talked with, yeah, Jesus, come on, I want to get everything I can from you. I don't necessarily want to commit myself to you, but I want what you have for me. Um, but he, the, the centurion was so disciplined and was so sure of, of what the power of his words would be, he didn't, he didn't ask Jesus to come in. In fact, he said, I'm not worthy. He showed some humility there. Now, um, he realized that, that he didn't deserve this. When we think we deserve something, it, it stops us from receiving and getting our prayers answered. You know, the other side of this is, is when something bad happens and somebody says, well, I'm a good Christian. I've done all these things. Why? What did I ever do to deserve this? And uh, I'm 
Not that anybody in here would have ever said anything like that, but it goes through your mind sometimes. The, the answer is, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you and I got what we deserved, ooh, we don't want that. You know, we if we got paid for how we handle things here on this earth, we'd all die young and go to hell. I don't want to talk about that. I want I don't want to talk about what I deserve. I want to talk about let's talk about grace and mercy. And uh mercy and grace means I don't get the things that I deserve. I do get some glorious things that I I maybe don't deserve it, but God did it for me anyway. I I get it. Um, thank God for mercy and grace. But if we keep talking about what the things that I deserve, we disqualify ourselves from that. So verse 6, he said, Lord, do not trouble yourself. I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Notice he called him Lord. He recognized and submitted to a higher authority. Now, we know that as a Christian, he has made us worthy, but that's what he's done. It's, it's not what any of us have done. This is real humility and honor. More clues as to, as to how to increase your faith. This, this centurion could have had Jesus arrested and punished, and nobody would say a word about it. That's the kind of authority a, a centurion had. A, a Roman citizen had a lot of uh, protection, but and he couldn't be arrested without uh, cause unless a centurion said, I think you did this. He could take you out and have you punished, and nobody would ever say a word. And this is why Paul uh, appealed to to Caesar because he was a Roman citizen and he he had rights and privileges as a citizen that that couldn't be overlooked. So, uh, but a, a centurion could punish a Roman citizen and nobody would even bat an eye. Um, but this centurion was was showing Jesus a Jew the kind of respect. It just makes it more amazing to me because here is a, a Roman and a Jew. They're they're occupying the territory, and he is respecting someone who, in in normal in most people's eyes, would be below his his level. But uh, we're talking about someone that has great faith. You cannot separate grace or great faith from honor because. Our faith is not just in faith. You know, some people get faith principles and, and they do things, uh, if I, if I say this and I do this and I act like this, then this will happen. But the faith is really in faith. But in Mark 11.22, Jesus said, have faith in God. That's where it begins. And, uh, not not just in the principles of faith or on on the things, but it have faith in God. Listen, here's something that you need to remember: what you do not honor, you have no access to. What you do not honor, you have no ac- access to. Think about that when you hear them talking about defunding the police. Okay. Just, you know, this loose whatever attitude that's so common today is really a spiritual emptiness. It's, it's much more serious than people realize. Let's keep going. Verse seven. Uh, therefore I did not even think myself worry to come, worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. This is why he didn't go in person. Politically, he had the authority. He could have had Jesus arrested and bring him in. Force him in. Uh, good luck with that. But you know, he he knew his position and knew that Jesus had a position that he could have authority over this this sickness. Um, he didn't he didn't have to. Uh, he he could have like I say he could have uh, forced Jesus to come in. But then he goes on. The centurion explains what he knows about submission and authority. Verse eight. 
He says, for I also am a man placed under authority. Notice the word under here, so that we're going to highlight several times here. Um, placed under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say, say to one, go, and he goes, to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Verse 10, those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. Now, this applies to other areas either. Uh, also, uh, if you believe that people owe you something, it makes it impossible for them to be gracious to you. Because if they, if they get to you what you are expecting, what you think is owed you, then there's, there's no, there's no grace involved there. Uh, but understanding rank, authority, and submission is key to having great faith. Should we be like that centurion? I believe we should. He said, I am also a man placed under authority. He had he had authority over him, and he had people under him. Over him, under him. Someone is over you, someone is under you. I like the one that's under my feet, too. That's Satan. Uh, he gave Jesus a place in his life that allowed Jesus to release his power to heal. That's a key to great faith. Giving Jesus that place in our life to, to, so he can release his power. That happens when we pray for others in the name of Jesus. Sometimes they don't give you that place. You know, uh, back in 2017 when Hurricane Irma came through, um, it was our first hurricane since, since moving to Florida. So we were, exploring all the possibilities and everything, and it's a long story, but we decided to just ride it out and and stay home, which was the right thing to do, but we started praying. We turned off the news. Now, you know, we'd turn it on for five or ten minutes to uh, to see where it was and what was happening, but the day before it actually hit, we'd made the decision. All of our neighbors were in our little cul-de-sac and they were just fretting and just, what are we going to do? It's a hurricane. Because you remember, that was, that was the, the strongest hurricane that had ever come across the Atlantic. And, uh, and nobody knew where, we were kind of zigzagging. Nobody knew where it was going to go. So we're, we're prepared there. And, and so we were all standing around and we said, can we pray? They gave us that authority at that time. So you don't, you don't have authority over everyone at all times. You only have the authority that that people allow you to have. And so they released that authority to us. We joined hands and I prayed a pretty bold prayer that that this would not come near us, that our, we would not lose any property or, or anything. And, you know, it was an exciting night, but about midnight, one o'clock, we finally went to bed. We'd been declaring the scriptures. We'd, we'd been uh, singing songs and, and uh, praying. And finally, you know, if Jesus can go to sleep in the back of the boat, we can go to sleep here. So we did. We went to sleep and woke up to a beautiful day the next the next day. But the the neighborhood was untouched. Well, I shouldn't say untouched. There was one tree that fell exactly between two houses. The houses are only about as far apart as the there's a pathway here, the, the aisle up the middle, and a tree fell exactly bang, right? Didn't touch either house. Amazing. Now, there was one back porch that got hit by a tree of our next door neighbor who had been saying ever since we moved there, I'm just afraid that tree is going to fall over on our house one day. I don't know how many times we heard that. Guess what happened? That tree fell over on his Back porch. It didn't hurt his house. They had just built a new uh, back porch on there, kind of a lanai, and uh, it it fell on that, just as he said. So, but but that our neighborhood was spared. I mean, 
there were millions of trees knocked down in, in Florida. Only the ones in our neighborhood didn't hurt anything. So anyway, but that's, that's about the authority, uh, that, that we were given. Um, one of the things that separates the centurion from everybody else is, uh, is even though he had that position of authority, he humbled himself and he did not act or feel entitled to receive, uh, to receive anything from Jesus. His, his Jewish friends said he deserved it. He was a good guy. Uh, you should do that for him. But he himself said, I'm not worthy that you should even come under my roof. And we understand that in ourselves, we are not worthy or righteous, but we are righteous in him. Jesus marveled at this man's faith. And, and you think about why is this in the Bible? It's an example for us of what can be. The centurion discerned that Jesus was had a, had a was submitting himself to a higher authority. Someone was over him with higher authority, and uh, and that the sickness was under the authority of Jesus. Jesus was over that that sickness, and this you know we're talking about great faith. Let's we'll finish up here, but look again at verse seven and eight. The centurion said, Therefore I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do it, and he does it. He's saying, I am a man who understands submission and authority. And he keeps using that word, under don't miss this because this is a key to understanding great faith. He says, I am a man under authority and I have soldiers under me. Then he explains what that means. He says, and we've said it before, I go to say to one, go, and he goes. Why? Because he is under me and I am over him. Under and over. That's so important. He acknowledges here that Jesus is over his servant's sickness. He submits to that. You know, Jesus talked to a tree and it obeyed him. He talked to the wind and the waves. They obeyed him. He spoke to a fever in Peter, Peter's mother-in-law and it obeyed him because they were under him. He had authority over them. Uh, don't, don't miss this. In order to have great faith, you have to give God His place over you. He has to be over me. And and you've got to take your place under Him. And by doing that, it will put you in a place to put evil things under you. You have that authority, but not without something greater over over you. That's why we have to be careful about what we submit ourselves to what you come under comes over you. And think about that. Think about that when you vote in November. What you come under, what you submit yourselves to, comes over you. And uh, we're, we're out of time. We didn't get to the poor uh, woman, uh, the Syrophoenician woman. But we'll, we'll come back tonight and we'll finish that up. And uh, let's just pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for teaching us how to come up in faith. Lord, that we can increase in our faith, Lord. And Lord, we just thank You that You are teaching us uh, and we are doers of Your Word, not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, Amen.